Ladies and gentlemen, Left Bench Radio, Evan Deck, your host. No Dante Esposito today, sadly, but I will be able to give you the information on the NHL, MLB, basketball, and football. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get into the headlines. The World Series is upon us. This will start Friday. It's going to be Phillies versus Astros. Should be a very exciting series, but we'll get more to that in the baseball. A pretty predictable week seven in the NFL. And the 27th Sporks Equinox took place on the, tw- on the 20th with the NHL, NBA, NFL, and MLB and the MLS all having a game on the same day. All right, let's head over into the NFL. There was a trade. Panthers send running back Christian McCaffrey to the San Francisco 49ers for all the 49ers picks this season and the fifth round next year. So 49ers not going to have a lot of picks, but they're going in big for a big-name running back. Hopefully that pays out for them, but we'll break that more into it when we talk about their game. All right, first game, Thursday night football. Arizona Cardinals beat the New Orleans Saints 42-34. to Turnover after turnover for Andy Dalton and the Saints helps the Cardinals to a dub. Um, there was a funny camera angle where after Andy Dalton threw his second pick back-to-back, um, the Cardinals player ran it in. And they cut out Dalton just angry, sighing, looking up to the sky. And in the background, you just see this Cardinal player take flight from the five-yard line and jump headfirst into the end zone. And from the view of Andy Dalton behind him in the slow motion, it was beautiful to watch. And it just was, it was very funny. Cincinnati Bengals get the 35-17 to win against the Atlanta Falcons. Bengals may return to their old form here. This might be the start of it. Burrow throwing deep balls left and right to Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd. And an underrated defense as they still have lots of injuries but are able to keep up with whatever team they've played with. The Bengals, a lot of guys injured. Hendrickson, big name, injured. So the fact that they're able to do all this against some decent offenses is pretty good. A big divisional game next week against the Browns. That should have big uh, divisional ranking impacts with the Bengals and Baltimore because they're both tied at 4-3 and atop of the AFC North. Speaking of Baltimore, they just played the Browns, and they won 23-20. to A surprisingly close game, though. As the Browns did give the Ravens a run for their money, but in the end, Baltimore did come out on top. It was another big divisional game for the AFC North. Bang- Bengals were definitely hoping for a Browns win here. I was hoping for a Browns win here, but without a decent quarterback, I wasn't thinking it was going to happen. Cage York missed a 61-yard field goal. That was probably 20-30 to yards left and nowhere near going anywhere into the uprights. Carolina upsets the Buccaneers 21-3. to Tom Brady does not look good. Giselle might be getting to him, but he said this today. He does not plan on retiring or even stepping away from this season after all the drama with her. So he's trying to grind it out, put the pedal to the metal and get another ring here but with this team right now with the way they've been playing it does not look like they will be able to get a chance to get a ring um shocking win for the panthers who they played their first game without christian mccaffrey after that trade um and it's very well likely it's such a shocking win because the panthers are very well likely going to have the first overall pick coming up in this next draft because they are that bad um baker mayfield and sam Darnold both are hurt both guys drafted in the same draft now on the same team and they can't stay healthy and they can't win either, except when they're not playing, which is ironic. Dak is back and gets the Cowboys a win, a 24-6 to win against the Detroit Lions. And the Hard Knocks episode of the Lions was great. Everyone loved it. Made them fall in love with the players and the coach. 
But when it came down to it, everyone thought they were going to be a little bit better, or maybe a lot better, but they're back to the old Lions. I'm talking a lot of teams getting back in the old form, and that's just one team that you knew couldn't be playing this well with that roster for that long. They had a lot of close games and a win in the beginning of the season, but since that like third, fourth week, it has been downhill ever since then. But, I mean, hey, they weren't really expected to be good, so that's that. Speaking about a team that no one expected to be good, but are now only have, still have one loss, the New York Giants with a win again. They beat the Jacksonville Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence. The game came down to the last play of the game. The Giants gave up a massive throw from T-Law, but they stopped him from getting in at the one. The ball was up, caught at the one, and they just held him in at the goal line. Beautiful defense from the Giants there to keep that one loss a one loss. And when you think about it, no one thought the Giants would even maybe have a win, especially with how many injuries they've had and how many wide receivers they've gone through. And it just proves that a head coach is all that really matters sometimes that can really get a team to win. And maybe this could show other teams like, hey, if we get that right head coach, that guy that has that winning mentality, that want to win mentality, it could get mediocre players like Daniel Jones winning games. I don't care what they go this year. Daniel Jones will forever be mid unless like his career does that like takes a massive turnaround after this year. But like, I don't care after like this year, regardless of what happens, he's mid in my book. It's a very team-oriented, like, team. It's not driven by one guy. It's not like last year Bengals, like, where's Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow just connecting, making a difference in every single game. This is just a whole team effort here, getting them these wins. And, of course, if the Jaguars scored on that time, it would have been a tie game, and then the extra point would have had the game won for the Jaguars. So, great by the Giants' defense right there. Tennessee 19 Indianapolis Colts 10, Matt Ryan with two interceptions, and then today he gets benched for the backup. Never heard of the guy, too, so that should be interesting considering Matt Ryan has been in the league for a while. He's finally getting benched. Not been playing good. He's been looking old because he is old. Um, As it shows, it doesn't take much to beat the Colts as Tannehill only threw for 132 yards and King Henry only rushed for 128. So not the highest peak of offense from both teams there, but they were still able to get the win because the Colts are that bad. Washington beat Green Bay 23-21. to And let me just tell you something. Straight up, brutally honest, wide receivers are not catching the ball for Aaron Rodgers, and he seems fed up. Obviously, they are catching some balls, but the balls that are cru- crucial third-down catches that aren't even like a three-yard gain just for the first down but are monster deep drives, plays, they're not catching. And they're usually open because Rodgers can get that in the ball. He's that good of a quarterback where he can get these guys the ball, but they're not able to bring it in. Um, both Rodgers and Brady have really struggled this year, which is crazy to see because last year they were having pretty good years. They did decent in the playoffs, decent in the regular season. But obviously this was bound to happen eventually. But, you know, it's going to be getting around that time. You know, I just talked about how Brady doesn't want to retire, but, like, these two guys are not going to be in the NFL anymore. I mean, it's already crazy enough to see Brady not in a Patriots jersey. And, like, God forbid Rodgers goes out of a Green Bay jersey. Like, that would even be weird to see. But not seeing, seeing another quarterback under center in Green Bay is going to be weird too, especially seeing if it's Jordan Love, and Jordan Love is not good at football. The quarterback, though, for the Commanders, not Carson Wentz, was Taylor Heineke, and he led the Commanders to a win but did not play very well. And that raises the question, why not put rookie quarterback Sam Howell in? They have nothing to lose. Why not? Carson Wentz not playing good, little injury-prone during his career. Definitely not 
uh, division where you, you can maybe win at this point, considering how well the Giants have been doing and Dak is now back. But why not? What do you have to lose? I get you want to win every game. You think that Taylor Heineke is going to get you there because he's had that experience. But this dude was drafted for a reason. You guys took Sam Howell for a reason. I see no reason for why they should not play him, especially if Carson Wentz is not going to get played. Taylor Heineke, I can't see him ever being not being a backup, so I don't know why they keep trying to push that in that role when Sam Howell was drafted to be a starting quarterback eventually. They just signed Terry McLaurin, so that also means they're kind of wasting that money because Taylor Heineke's not getting the ball to McLaurin like he should be getting the ball. Would Sam Howell be able to do that? I don't know, but it's not like I'm able to find out. Now, he is not with us today, but I know that he would be ecstatic to hear about, well, he knows about it, but to say that the Jets won 16-9 against the Denver Broncos. The Broncos started off hot without Russell Wilson, and it was looking like they already found a replacement for Russ because Russ has not been working for the Broncos. But then as the game continued, Denver did Denver things and brought the other team down with them, just making it a mid-boring game like every other game for the Broncos. Any game, they could take the best high-scoring offense and make it an under-20-point game for both teams because they're just boring football. And the Jets win star rookie running back Brees Hall, or as Dante likes to call him, Brees the Beast, and has carried the Jets to their winner record offensively, went down with an ACL injury, missing the remainder of the season. Other notable Jets injured were Elijah Vera Tucker and Corey Davis. But ACL injury, missing the remainder of the season, Elijah Vera Tucker and Corey Davis could very well come back eventually. But rest of the season, rookie year, not looking good for Brees Hall. He was a beast this year, as I've been saying, as Dante's been saying. And it really just might damage this offense. And I, I, if I'm a Jets fan, I'm nervous. I'll, I'll tell you why. And Dante, I don't know if he'd be nervous. I don't know if he's nervous. I, this is all but my opinion. I'm not a Jets fan, obviously. You know I don't like New York sports. But I can't imagine this. I can't imagine being a Jets fan and seeing Zach Wilson play four games this season with one TD throw and two interceptions. Obviously, two interceptions, not bad. But it's the TDs thrown, which I'm worried about. And this has all been for 693 yards. Brees Hall, now injured, had four touchdowns on the season. So he has been that offensive machine, that offensive motor that has been getting Jets wins, especially with Zach Wilson back, has only thrown for one touchdown. So now Michael Carter will fill in the role of Brees Hall, and hopefully he will be able to take them down the field like Hall was able to do. But Wilson will definitely have to step up now that their main running back one is out for the season, and... You know, he was also coming off an injury, so now he can get back in. He's had four games now. He's really going to need to step it up if the Jets want to continue this winning record and keep being a good team that can maybe sneak into the playoffs or fight for a wild-card spot at the end of the season. But this is going to be crucial in these next couple weeks here. Las Vegas Raiders versus Houston Texans, 38-20 Las Vegas Raiders. In this game, Houston Texans wide receiver Brandon Cooks became the 11th active player to reach 600 career receptions. Otherwise than that, the Texans' defense was a mess and Derek Carr walked all over them. Big rushing day for Josh Jacobs as he ran for 143 yards and three touchdowns in the win. Have yourself a day, Josh Jacobs. Raiders seem to be getting back into the swing of things as the beginning of the season obviously didn't start off so hot for them. They went 0 and I believe it was 0 and 4, 0 and 3. And now they're 2-4, so nothing too much better. But 
shaky division as the Chargers did lose to Seahawks. We'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. So we'll see what's going on here in that AFC West, a very tight one. But obviously the Chiefs at the top five and two. Amazing this year. Here we go, talking about the Chargers. Lost to the Seahawks, a 37-23 loss. I don't even know anymore what's going on with the Seahawks. Do teams play badly when they play Seattle, or is Seattle just good? I'll give you some stats of the two quarterbacks, and maybe you can judge. Geno Smith, Seattle Seahawks quarterback. 20 for 27 on completions, 210 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Justin Herbert, Chargers quarterback. 33 for 51 on completions, 293 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Now, you may think, wow, what's going on there? Those are pretty even. And guess what? The rushing touchdowns were even as well. The game mattered. Where the game mattered was field goals. And that's how the Seahawks won as their kicker had 13 points that game. Kicker putting the team on his back. Geno Smith, I don't know how you got this good over one summer, buddy, but keep it up. You're... Really confusing me. I can't tell if you guys are good or if every team just plays you guys and it's just not good. And it really just doesn't make sense to me that they're holding like the charge an offense like the Chargers to 23 points. The Seahawks don't on paper don't have that good of a defense. But everyone on the Seahawks defense is really just stepping up and playing to the max level that they can. Just talking about the Chiefs, another team in that division. 44 to 23 win against the new 49ers with Christian McCaffrey. So the reason I don't like this trade so much for the 49ers, because we'll talk about it here, is obviously it's good to add an elite running back to any team, but the whole reason the 49ers have had so much success recently is because their offense makes a mid-running back into an elite running back. The offensive line, the blocking by the wide receivers and tight end, just makes a bad or not good mid-level running back better. He finds those lanes, and he's just able to run, and that's all he needs to do. And any running back is able to run. That's a fact. So if everything else is falling in line for them, they just got to run, something good's going to happen. So now you get an elite one, an elite running back. You're going to pay an elite running back all that money. Will it pay off? I don't think so, because they still have Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. And Jimmy is not Hemi. He cannot do it. He is not that man who's going to help win games for the 49ers. That's just how it is. And I don't think Christian McCaffrey can carry them that much either. He's also known to be a receiving back too. I get. Five-yard checkdowns, two-yard checkdowns, screen plays to McCaffrey are easy to throw. But you got to think it's Garoppolo. And that might not be enough to get this whole team there. You know, maybe use those picks to get a better quarterback and then for a year, like a year left quarterback, and then have when he gets back at um, Lanson. Or not Lance, what am I saying? Um, I am blanking on his name, but the guy who got injured in the second game of the season for the 49ers, Trey Lance, that's what it was. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know why I doubted myself. So in the San Francisco 44-23 loss, Mahomes threw for 423 yards, three touchdowns in the air, three on the ground, and Christian McCaffrey for the 49ers, ladies and gentlemen, only had 38 yards on eight touches. Not the best return rate in week one for the 49ers, to say the least. Sunday night football, Miami Dolphins, Pittsburgh Steelers, battle of concussions as Tua Tungavailoa started against Kenny Pickett of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kenny Pickett, this isn't real, obviously, but he definitely said this before the Dolph- to the Dolphins before the game. I'm going to throw the ball, and you're going to pick it. It's in his name. And that's exactly what happened. Three interceptions for the Dolphins' D. He did indeed, though, throw for 257 yards, but the run game was a struggle. 
65 yards on 17 carries for Najee Harris, and that is not good enough for that elite running back and that team to get a win against the Dolphins. Tua coming back after all that concussion against the Bengals where he was helpless on the field. Good to see him get a win here. Good to see another AFC North team lose, especially the Steelers. So all is right in my book in the AFC North after this week. Bengals win. Baltimore win, Browns, Steelers loss. Of course, I'd rather see a Browns win just because it would help the Bengals out in the standings more. But, hey, we play the Browns tomorrow. We'll, or ne- not tomorrow, next week. We'll give them payback for not winning. Monday Night Football is the Patriots and Bears tonight. Patriots, if you don't win this game, sell the franchise. The Bears are horrendously bad, especially as of late. So, no excuses here. Heading over to the MLB. Wow. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, the World Series starts Friday. Let's see how we got there from this past round. As Dante's been filling you up in the other round, so I'm just going to give you this past round. The Phillies knocked out the Padres in five games, a 4-1 to series win with a big series from Bryce Harper and Ranger Segura. The Phillies won three games in a row after the series started 1-1. One one. Phillies, the sixth seed, coming and making noise in the playoffs. That's what we like to see in Philae. Unlike the Padres, the Yankees couldn't pull together a win and got swept by the Astros. And that has been and that has to be painful for Yankee fans, considering the whole cheating scandal from 2017. Can't feel good. Players like Jeremy Pena, Jose Altuve, and Justin Verlander played a big role in the sweep of the Yankees. Errors from the Yankees prevented them from coming out on top in all the close games of the series. They were all decently close and just simple, simple mistakes ended up being the game changer and that's what sports are the simple mistake could lead you wrong and that's what happened so the six seeded phillies are going to play the number one seeded astros game one friday phillies are indeed newcomers to the playoff scene but coming in hot as they bet the padres who beat the dodgers who are heavy favorites the astros returning veterans to the playoffs though losing last year to the braves Losing in 2019 to the Nationals. Both in the finals. Losing in the finals in that short of a time period got to be crushing. And then, but they did win it in 2017, but that was also the cheating scandal. They won it that year against the Dodgers. Lost to the Braves and Nationals. Can they beat the Phillies here? Last time. The Houston Astros played a team that I predicted to win the finals in the the finals. They lost, and that was the... Astros losing to the Braves. I had the Braves. I have the Phillies. Astros, you're losing. Philadelphia on top. The only thing Philadelphia is not really doing good in, ironically, is basketball. Hockey somehow doing good. The Flyers are doing good. Eagles had a bye week undefeated still. And Phillies now in the World Series where no one thought they could get. So Philly sports are on top right now. That's for sure. Heading over to the ice now. Marshawn McAvoy doesn't matter as of now the Boston Bruins are the only team with double digits points in the NHL doesn't surprise me I've had them being good a lot of people having them be a bottom five team in the Atlantic which is out of a wild card spot in most people's brackets but hey there's other players on that team ex-devils like Pavel Zaka and AJ Greer are stepping up to the occasion and carrying this Bruins team A.J. Greer, a career Utica Devil for his times under a Devil's contract. Maybe played two to three NHL games. Has three goals for the Boston Bruins. What is going on? How? Pavel Zaka. Pavel Zaka. Devil's sixth overall pick one year. 
blasphemy when it happened. So many beautiful, skilled players below him drafted that year, such as Matt Barzell. And he gets to Boston in a one-for-one trade with Eric Holla, and he's got four points in six games, one goal, three assists. Now, the reason for his success, though, in my opinion, the line mates, the Czechol- the Czechoslovakian line that he is on, him, David Krejci in his return to the NHL, and David Pasternak, the, the, uh, the chemistry there between the uh, men of Czechoslovakia is unmatched. And a big reason, a part of why I think they are doing so well so far. The NHL released its three stars of the week, third being New Jersey Devils goaltender Mackenzie Blackwood, second being Ottawa Senators forward Brady Tuchuk, and third being Buffalo Sabres defenseman Rasmus Dahlin, who's had an outstanding season, not even just this week, an outstanding season. Speaking about things that are not outstanding, the Vancouver Canucks. They have been nothing but horrendous. Started the three season off with three straight losses. All, they had the lead in those losses. They had the lead in one time in those games, and they blew it in all three games. That's a record, by the way. Then, they lose game four. Six games in, they're the only winless team. This is, so, I don't know about you, but I've never once been like, hey, this jersey that I just spent a lot of money on, I'm throwing it over the glass. Well, Vancouver fans, they burned down their city after they lost the Stanley Cup final. So throwing a jersey over the glass is nothing to them. So they've been throwing jerseys, hats, all different types of merch over the glass onto the ice. And this is what JT Miller had to say about this. If they want to throw their explicitives on the ice, it's up to them. If they want to come to the game, spend all that money and throw their gear on the ice, that's up to them. Very true JT Miller. An honest answer to a stupid thing going on with your team. He might, he, there was a while where JT Miller was not even going to be a Canuck. And I think it shows that he doesn't want to be a Canuck right now. That his fans are disrespecting him. But he realizes you're still paying. You're paying for those tickets. You're paying buying that merch that you're wasting. That you're getting rid of by throwing it over the glass. I'm still getting paid. He still gets paid if they lose. Obviously, he wants to win, but... Jersey being thrown over the glass does not affect JT Miller. Now, over this past week, Adidas and NHL revealed the reverse retros, the second version of them. And ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, they are elite. There are a lot of good reverse retros that they made in the first one, but this one takes the cake. This one is by far better than the first reverse retros that were placed out. So we're going to, I, I uh, have some categories here. We got best creativity, most missed potential, best color scheme, and worst color scheme. So with best creativity, we're going to go here and with the Florida Panthers. They got this nice light blue jersey with the palm tree hockey stick alternate logo in front of the sun on the crest of a light blue jersey. Does it get any more beautiful than that? And then to add icing on the cake. They took their star players out on a boat in Florida and took some pictures for the Instagram on a boat with the light blue jerseys reflecting off of the Florida water. It was something to see, ladies and gentlemen. Going into the second for most creative, best creativity, my bad, is the St. Louis Blues. They add a music note. They make a yellow jersey. It's very creative. Something you haven't seen from the Blues where it's an actual good-looking music note. So kudos to them. 
There we go. We got the Bruins next. When they bring back Pooh Bear, I absolutely love this jersey. When it was the first thing, now it's back. It's better than ever. The claw marks on the shoulder look beautiful. Pooh Bear actually looks great on the crest. And then the lines on the bottom really tie it all together. Sharks with another creative one. They took the route of the Golden Seals. And they just did sharks instead of seals. And pretty much everything else from that seals jersey is on it besides the name, which I, I like. I think it's a jersey that has never been given enough credit for what it is, the teal and yellow. It's a beautiful colorway. And then last, for I'm doing top five for these, for best creativity, I think the Vancouver Canucks adding the guy skating, the number on the front. I love numbers on the front for hockey jerseys for some reason, like on the top corner where the letter's supposed to be, like cap and assistant. I love numbers there. I think they look really clean. And I think these jerseys look really nice, and I love the guy skating. I love that logo. Heading to most missed potential, number one and most missed potential, in my opinion, is the Winnipeg Jets. They could have done something really cool with the Atlanta Thrashers, but they didn't. They could have done something really cool with the Atlanta Thrashers. The Atlanta Thrashers had great uniforms, but they decided to go with the old Winnipeg Jets logo and use their light blue, white, and black, which I do not mind this jersey in general. I just think that they could have used a little bit more creativity, but it's not a bad jersey with what we've got. Kraken, this is just a bad jersey, but they could have done something better. This one is ugly, but they could have had a jersey where it's like the ocean at the bottom and tentacles rising up to the shoulders. That would have been cool. It would have been creative. It would have been different, but they decided not to go that route and just add random stripes everywhere. We love stripes on jerseys. Just kidding. Stripes on jerseys, horizontally, are the worst things if there's a lot of them. Most missed potential again. Third place, Senators. This just looks like their home jersey. Same logo, same everything. I really don't see too many differences here. This looks like the Islanders from the first reverse retro. Flames. You know, miss potential. The only reason I'm saying this is because they have this random, weird, horizontal line in the middle of their jersey instead of just having it wrap all the way clear straight around the bottom of it. But a white Flames logo Something I haven't seen before that looks nice. It's different. It's clean. But this random curved line, don't like. And then most mispotential, in my opinion, penguins. People might get mad. I do like the Robo Penguin. I do like the Robo Penguin jersey. But maybe do Robo Penguin and use your Winter Classic blues. Do something different instead of the yellow, black, and white. Because those Winter Classic blues that they have used, the light blue, the dark blue, have been beautiful jerseys, especially if you incorporate a little bit of yellow into it. Best color scheme, the Panthers with their light blue with the other colors, red, yellow, and dark blue. I got the Devils in second, taking it to the route of the Kansas, or no, we're actually the Colorado Rockies, sorry. The blue, yellow, and red on a regular Devils jersey. I think it looks very clean. And then the Jets with a very nice color scheme with the all-white jersey with light blue and black bordering around it, which looks very clean because anything with white and a light blue is going to look good. Um, the Sharks in fourth, I love it. I love the Seals color scheme. I said it before. Teal and yellow, underrated. And then Ducks, they just did their Mighty Ducks of Anaheim jersey, but with orange instead of that green. And let me tell you, they should go back to this logo with orange instead of green because this makes it look ten times better. And if anything, anything could be better than that stupid duck foot logo that they have now. I hate that logo. It's a duck foot. Wow, you're the ducks. We get it. Ducks have duck feet. No kidding. They have web feet too, so I guess maybe they're trying to make awareness for ducks with web feet. 
And worst color scheme, Senators did nothing. It looks like a home jersey. Leafs did nothing. It looks like a home jersey. But Leafs, the next three here, Leafs, Blackhawks, Red Wings. You're an original six team. I get it. You don't got many colors. So I can't really fault you, but it is a worst color scheme because it's their color scheme every other time. Well, I mean, like the Blackhawks, it's red and black and white. Wow. And Detroit is just a red jersey with four black stripes in Detroit written on it. Terrible. And then finally, I have the Hurricanes in last place for color scheme. It is literally just their home jersey with gray squares instead of black. Their old home jersey, of course, from last year, because they like changing their jerseys every year. They just changed it this year to the black one with the hurricane warning flag as their main jersey for this season. I'm going to give you my top five favorites all overall look. I got Panthers with that blue, the sun, the stick, the palm tree, the Kings. They just went back with the purple, but this time they went to the crown. Purple and yellow is such a good colorway. Then I got the Jets, the light blue, the white that I've been talking about. Then my Boston Bruins jersey, the Pooh Bear. I love it. And then the New Jersey Devils, Colorado Rockies jersey, unbeatable. And the worst jersey, the Blackhawks by far. By far. By far. And Dante, he thinks his, his favorite jersey is the Panthers, then Blues, Bruins, Sharks, Canucks. Just kidding. I lied. It's Panthers, Kings, Caps, Blue Jackets, Vegas. Um, Vegas has a very nice, clean jersey. Obviously not too much of a retro because they're a very new team, but it does look very clean, very new, just basically an alternate jersey. And the Blue Jackets and Caps went very creative with their jerseys as well. I will definitely be purchasing some of them, sadly. Um, I say that sadly because I hate blowing money on jerseys, but these look so nice. If I want to just bang around on all of them, uh, Flames went to the that random horizontal line at the bottom. I hate it. Oilers did the oil drop meteor-looking thing. Tampa Bay went all out crazy here and added waves at the bottom. Rain, the lightning going down the side of the jersey. It looks cool. Predators went back to the big old saber tooth. Coyotes made a little bit different changes. They went to a yellowish, like, uh, dusk kind of, like, thing. Dawn, maybe. Kind of sunrise. Last one was sunset. This is sunrise because it was purple. You see, they're doing a little thing there. The Minnesota Wild just made a home version of last year's reverse retro. The Stars made some ugly black jersey with green arms. Colorado Avalanche took their colors and just made it with the big C in the middle. Capitals, same one from last time, but it's black now. Rangers, same logo, but it's on their colorway. This one, not a darker one. Uh, Colorado, Columbus, I mean, has the same logo, but just blue going on the arms. It's all right. Vegas glows in the dark, ladies and gentlemen. The Vegas, it goes down like a Rangers jersey across from top to bottom, says Vegas, and though it's in white lettering, and that will glow in the dark. Penguins went to Robocops. Flyers just look reverse. They just look like from the, from the past, like this jersey... Look straight from the past, and they're going to wear the Cooperalls for warm-ups, which if you don't know what that is, it is the pants that go all the way down to your ankles. Hockey pants, of course, not normal pants. And then the Islanders finally bring back the Fisherman. I'm so excited for this. I'm probably going to get a Zach Parisi Islanders Fisherman jersey. Zach Parisi, favorite devil when he was a devil, and I said I get a jersey of whatever team he goes to. I have a Wild one. I have a Devils one. I need to get an Islanders one now. And now that the Fisherman's out, that's probably what it's going to be. Heading over to the NBA now. Dame Lillard back in action after surgery last season, and he's already back to elite form as they beat the Lakers in one of the games. LeBron and the Lakers have struggled early this season, especially from beyond the arc. 25 for 118 at three-point range through three games. Yikes. 0-3 in those games. 
Not going to win many games with that percentage. Worst, second worst ever percentage for this early into the season. And hopefully the Sixers can get their first win tonight against the Pacers. We are 0 and 3. College. Bobcats split the weekend against Maine. Sadly. In game one, a 4 0 Bobcat loss. Maine's goalie Victor Ostman played an outstanding game and he had himself a 33 goal sh- shot shutout. Then Sunday rolled around and the Bobcats bounced back with a 6 2 win. Goals from Desi Bugart, Skyler Brindamore, Victor Kreskinari, Jakob Quillian, Colin Graff, and Jaden Lee. Victor, I'm very sorry that I butcher your name every time you score a goal, but your last name, in my defense, does have 14 letters in it. Mine has three. You can see where I get confused. The NCAA men's D1 rankings have been um, released. Staying at one is Minnesota. Jumping up to two from the eight seed, St. Cloud State. They did it. They swept Minnesota State this weekend. My buddy AJ, at both the games, he said it was an amazing experience that St. Cloud State really came out and won those games with determination. They're now 6-0. Maybe they should be the one seed. I don't know. How do you not have any losses? Like, I don't, I don't get that. I don't, I don't get how. I'll explain why I don't get NCAA men's hockey standings in a second, too, as I go down the list. Denver at three. Already got a problem with that. They're 4-2. and two. They lost to UMass. UMass is at five. So that doesn't make sense. Four is Michigan. That's pretty fair for Michigan. UMass is at five, which is unfair because they beat Denver. They And they beat North Dakota, and they're only one behind in front of North Dakota. North Dakota at six. And then Quinnipiac at seven. Tell me how Quinnipiac's at seven when we tie and beat North Dakota. And I have one less regulation loss. That makes no sense to me. Or one less tie. Or one less loss, I mean, and we have two ties. That makes no sense to me. We beat them once, tied to them. There's no way they should be ahead of us, even if they, they didn't even sweep Minnesota either, which is the funny thing. If they did, maybe I'd understand it, but right now I can't grasp why North Dakota is ahead of us, just like I can't grasp why Denver is ahead of UMass. Then 8, 9, 10 is Minnesota State. They fell from 2 to 8 after that sweep, which makes sense because they got swept by the 8th seed, so they might as well take the 8th seeded spot. Boston University at 9 and UConn at 10 after they get handed their first loss. Somehow they went up. After losing. I don't make the rules, ladies and gentlemen. If I did, it'd make a lot more sense than this. I'd probably have Minnesota, St. Cloud, Michigan, UMass, Quinnipiac, Denver, North Dakota. But I don't make the rules, sadly. Maybe one day. We have all weekend off, and our next game is two weeks from now. Both being home against Colgate and Cornell. Hopefully we can get the dub on those games. Now, ladies and gentlemen, for everybody's favorite part of the show, today's date in sports history, the year is 2021. Tom Brady becomes the first quarterback in NFL history to record 600 touchdown passes when he hits Mike Evans in first quarter of the Buccaneers' 38-3 route of the Chicago Bears in Tampa Bay. History does not need to be far back in the past at all. This was just last year. Me and Dante talked about this live. But what I find amazing is that how fast it's fallen off the trail since the track since being there. Lose to the Rams in the playoffs. Rams going to win the Super Bowl. 
Bucks, not anywhere near where they were when they won the Super Bowl or even last year when they made the playoffs. So something's definitely going to need to change with Tom Brady and the Bucks. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to end the live show here. Thank you so much for listening, but you can stay tuned afterwards where I'm just going to go into more of a deeper breakdown of these NHL reverse retros and take some of the clips from this and put them on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So you can definitely stick around. The show will probably go around to like 450, 445. But for now, this is the end of our normal show. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the Instagram, TikTok, Spotify, Apple Music, and of course, the Pony Express.